0: On this edition of the Scott Radley Show podcast, it is Friday. It is time for the brightest conversation in Hamilton podcasting. Uh, We're going to be chatting about Hong Kong. We're going to be chatting about City Hall here in Hamilton. We're going to be chatting about the secret to a long marriage. You'll be surprised. What is the secret to a long marriage, apparently? Oh, and maybe Woodstock and a few other things. Band ads. I've lost track of the whole list. We got a lot of things we're gonna talk about today. Stick around, you might enjoy it.
1: Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML.
0: It is time for the brightest conversation in Hamilton Radio. We do that every Friday here on the show and that means we bring someone in who can live up to that lofty billing. Uh, You just heard his work. And I must say this is the first time I've ever heard his work done live. No script, just ripping it. R- off the cuff, <laughs> Jay McQueen, the weather guy, is in the studio. He, he, you don't have a script. You're just letting it rip.
2: Yeah, the biggest thing is, is I don't want to mess up the uh, the sponsor, right? So. Now that I've said that, I will sometime of before you will. 7 o'clock, so stay tuned for that.
0: But I, if anyone's wondering, thinking, man, Jay McQueen has this big, long script written. No, it is just entirely off the cuff. He's riffing. He's riffing the weather. Uh, I want to start with a serious one this week. It has been one of the two stories, the other one being the Prime Minister and the Ethics Commission. I don't know if we're going to get to that one today. We've touched on that this week, if you've been here, and I know you've heard it lots elsewhere. But the other big story of the week, I would argue, and I don't think there's much of an argument from overseas has been what's been going on in Hong Kong with the protests, with the people. Basically what it is is China has is wanting to put in some new ro- laws, new rules, new things they can do, including plucking people out of Hong Kong for reasons, then bring them back to China for discipline or for hearings and a bunch of other things that are going on. So you've got tens of thousands of folks in Hong Kong, Hong Kongers, I guess would be the way would be the right word who are protesting and now China is amassing troops and military equipment on the border and there are great fears that as this continues this could turn into a new version of Tiananmen Square 30 years later with bloodshed and horrible things happening which you know I don't think anybody wants I don't I don't know what China wants but I don't think anyone in the west wants to see a democracy march, a democracy rally, a democracy movement carved down by violence from China or any other world country. But Jay, the question about this that just seems to puzzle me so much is as all this is going on, we are hearing nothing, basically, nothing from Canada as far as taking a position on this, nothing from Canada's leadership really saying we're willing to stand up to China for whatever we can possibly do. We're being very, very silent on this. And it, it puzzles me. Like history would say, we've got Tiananmen Square to look back on. History says when this kind of thing happens, you stand on the right side of history and let the chips fall where they may work. It doesn't seem like we're doing that, that I've seen.
2: Yeah, and I don't, is it? Uh, I guess is it because of some previous things that have gone on with China, you know, in the news, and and we're sort of uh, afraid to to take a stance. You know, there's there's all this almost in all, every you know story. The underlying like tone or uh, thing of of it is is that oh, you know, China. There's uh, you know, it's a, this huge market because of all the people, right? And so there's yes. there's always economics, this, yeah, economics, right? So you. you it's almost like you don't want to tick them off uh, or, or say the wrong thing because, you know, if you end up getting cut off of certain things, whether it's trade or certain economic lines, then, you know, then then you lose out of this massive uh, chunk of the world's population. And I right. think
0: that's exactly what it is. I think that, well, there's two things. There's that and there's the two Canadians that China is holding right now, the... They say prisoners of, they say spying. Most people are saying political prisoners. A lot of people are saying uh, hostages, essentially, that, you know, you can hold them as, as bait or whatever you want to call it. But but I think absolutely your point is bang on. I think most of what Canada seems to be afraid of, it looks like, is, well, we don't want to cut off our nose to spite our face. We don't want to potentially lose China as this gigantic trading opportunity but at some point, when you're talking about th- democracy and a part of the world that is fighting to be free and the potential that thousands of people could get caught up in vi- you know in violence with military operations, do you not have to prioritize one over the other? Do you not have to say, you know what? That would be bad, but we've got to do what's right, period. Even if it costs us.
2: Yeah, I mean, you have to... Like you said, there's, you know, you take a look at history and, you know, you have to do what you can to prevent those kinds of things from from happening again. And if you stand idly by and don't say anything, then, you know, you're sort of, you know, it gets to a certain point and maybe is it too late and then you say something, right? And so, you know, I think you have to, Canada always touts itself as a, you know, a peacekeeping uh, nation, and um, you know, and and that we've hopefully mo- more often than not stood up, you know, for what's right, and so.
0: Um but we've done more than that though jay we've done we we have a, a government and, and not just this government not just right now but we have governments that say you know we're for the little people we we believe everyone's equal we believe in people coming here and the minority having opportunities and and now we're looking across and just because they're out of our borders it's like we're saying well yeah but you know you're not here yeah there have been a few things said oh we hope everything turns out we hope everything's that that to me is—it's nothing. Mm. Now the problem is, Canada is a bug on the windshield of a transport truck compared to China, compared to the states. Well, I mean, we're we're largely irrelevant. It would be largely a ceremonial comment if we were going to do this. It was not even ceremonial. What's the word I'm looking for? Like a—it a, would be largely us just taking a stand for yeah. the sake of doing the right thing, mm. but it. Is that not still what we should be doing anyway?
2: I think so. I think that's what we've become accustomed to in the country. I think, uh, you know, we are huge, uh, you know... Geographically, but not you know population rise wise, right? And and
0: and certainly um, not economically.
2: No, Um, but I think you know we Canada has a certain you know clout amount amount of clout, I guess, or you know we're well respected around the world for uh, being a great place to live, being uh, being kind people, you know, and and all that kind of thing, and and so I think. Um, despite our small population and and economic, you know, impact and and that kind of stuff and economic weight, I think that what um, our prime minister says does carry a certain amount of weight. And so, you know, I know it's the middle of the summer and he's probably away or whatever. Right. And and maybe maybe the thought is, is, yeah, it would just be posturing, so what really does it matter? I'll let the s- states take the yeah, hard line I'll, I'll on let them. let them do it and let, you know, and the UK, let them do it. And, and maybe
0: China will be so happy with us that we didn't get in their way that they'll sign some big trade deal with yeah. us. To me, that is outrageously cynical, though. That That is, again, we're not talking about some little disagreement here between the people in Hong Kong. You have, first of all, you have keep this in mind, and this was pointed out, this is not an original thought. I don't want to claim that I've thought this myself, but someone was talking to on, maybe on Alex Pearson's show the other day when I was driving home, there are between three and 500,000 people with Canadian passports living in Hong Kong right now. 300 to 500,000. Wow. If this thing goes totally sour, a huge chunk of those people are immediately going to say, I'm coming home to Canada. Can Canada absorb 500,000? Look at our housing prices right now. Mm -hmm. And Hong Kong is a wealthy area. Hong Kong is a wealthy island, by and large. You have 500,000 people, many of them with money, come back willing to spend money on houses. You're an agent as well. We have a housing crisis right now. We have housing prices that are going through the roof. You have half a million people come back here looking to buy houses you think that housing prices, we're not going to have a massive housing crisis on our hands, And that's not their fault, but that goes to why that's just one of the reasons why we need to be having Canada take a stand on this. Yeah. I, I I'm just I'm just I'm disappointed that we seem to be posturing. And I get it. Economics, trade all the rest. I get it. it's it's impactful. But man, we every time there is a world event, that we stand on the sidelines we ultimately get in there and ultimately we tend to do the right thing but why would we have to wait
2: yeah that's the it's 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 puzzling and I think it is just that you know probably that reason about hey you know what let's let somebody else do it that that uh, you know a larger uh, country let them do it let them take the take the whatever they was going to come to them and you know, But by, we, again, I don't think it's right.
0: the cost when someone says, yeah, but look what we could lose. Look what we lose if there's a trade situation or whatever. When we went into World War II, we lost people, right? Canada lost mm-hmm. young men, lost... And, and what's the value of that? But we did it because it was the right thing to do. Yeah. I just, I hate to think what would happen if today, if the the sensibility of some of the things we think about today had been applied in World War II or World War One, and we go... Well, I don't know because we could lose a few lives. I'm not belittling losing lives, no. but it's the right thing. Mm-hmm.
2: You can't, you can't let, you know, you can't let Hitler take over Europe. So, you know, we're gonna, we're just gonna, we don't want to lose anybody. So let's, let's. We don't have an
0: appetite to lose young men, so we're just gonna stand back and let someone else take care of it. Yeah. I, I'm. I'm just so puzzled that we are so slow on this one and so mealy-mouthed on this one and so weak-looking on this one. Mm -hmm. This is one of those things when you look, and again, 30 years ago this year, 30 years ago was Tiananmen Square. We know how that turned out. We know who stood on the right side of history for that one and how you end up looking. I I I, I hope we do better is what I'm saying. I hope we do better.
1: You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML.
0: Now, if you've been listening to the news throughout the day today, you will know the story that uh, comes out of City Hall today. It's about a guy named Mark Lemire who worked for the city in the IT department. And there was a story a while back. He was, I guess, exposed or he was, they wrote that he had been a member of the now defunct Heritage Front. Which some describe as a neo-Nazi group. However, you want to describe it's fine. I won't take issue with that. That's you can go look it up and decide what it is. It's a it is a a a group that certainly questions can be raised and should be raised about. Anyway, so this guy was an IT worker at the city. Uh, this this revelation about his past and running a website that um, apparently, in the, an investigation was done, and and as I understand it. Um, he had kept this website up; hadn't really been adding to it, but it was just sort of maintained a little bit uh, on on under the idea of freedom of expression, pointing out examples of freedom of expression. It's it's a complicated story, but anyway, he was accused of either being a, a white supremacist or anti-Semitic, whatever. Again, you can read the story and see what it's a, it's a difficult piece. Here's the thing, though. So today they announced that by mutual. Consent or by mutual, they've mutually agreed to part ways. He's no longer working for the city, and the reason is the city made the decision. And here's the quote: "His off-duty activities and associations did not reflect the culture, values, and beliefs of the city." Okay, so that Jay, if if in fact we're talking about a case where someone is involved in anti-Semitic Semitic activities or white supremacist or whatever else, it, I don't think there's too many people that would say, "Yeah, we don't really." love the idea of that person working for the city. I, yeah. I, I certainly understand that part. Yeah. What I do wonder though is whether we've cracked open a bit of a Pandora's box here because what else could be, some people have mentioned, well, this is the start of a slippery slope that if you have someone now who has some activity that may not align with everything that everyone in the city agrees with. And someone complains about it, what happens to you? Again, I understand this is the extreme end of the curve. Yeah. The, the, right? So this yeah. is but slippery slopes start with a an extreme end of the curve usually. Sure. <laughs> and so, you know, I was I was thinking about this today when the when the topic came up and I was like, all right, so if you were whether you're on the right or the left, let's say you're an academic at McMaster, doesn't work for the city, but as an example, mm-hmm. who Holds views that is far, far, far left that says that the Holocaust never happened. Well, you know what? Does is there pressure then? I know it's not a city thing, but is there pressure put on that that person must be run out of town? Is there if you belong to a group that in your free time uh, lobbies against abortion, and someone complains about it? Is that yeah. views that are against? the culture, values, and beliefs of the city, and must you be... My question is, where does this go from here? Do we look at this one as a one-off and say, this is the only case we're going to see because it's an extreme one? Or do you, like me, go, I, I hope we haven't cracked something open here that's going to be very difficult to contain?
2: Yeah, I mean, to me, it's... I don't know if I should say puzzling, but they that the quote that they gave there um, as you know, not aligning with their cultural values. I mean, they could have made it a little more simple and just said, "Look, we don't want you know, we we didn't want somebody who, you know, has this particular set of values yeah, who
0: we believe stands for this, the to not be part of the city
2: yeah. and then and and that, there you go, right. End of story, and again, I don't think I don't think uh, the majority of people would have a problem with that. But the way they've worded this, I think you're right to uh, you know to sort of question. Hey, look, okay, now now where does this go,
0: right? Um, and uh, my question is, who determines and, and the idea? Again, this is an extreme case, and I'm not arguing against if, if in fact, and I haven't followed this closely enough to be able to tell you, but if, in fact, he was involved with these things, I I understand. I understand Mm -hmm. this case. But who determines, who is the arbiter who determines what is the culture, values, and beliefs of the city that gets to decide if your view or my view or someone else who works for the city falls into that or falls out of that?
2: Yeah, and how do you... How do you pass the sniff test or not? And and I think, you know, my concern obviously is, you know, how does somebody like this, because increasingly there's, The hiring, uh, you know, the job like application processes, you know, are increasingly it seems more difficult. And just there's these uh, interview panels now, and it's not just you know go in and talk with one manager. It's like you're you're there, and there's three or four or five people across the table from you. I mean, that's that these are intimidating types of interviews, right? And so with all this stuff going on, you wonder how a guy like this got hired in the first place. I mean that was my whole thing all along was how did that how did he slip through the cracks, right? And I would be concerned with you know, p- potentially, you know, is there anybody
0: else? Well, okay, so how do you slip through the cracks in this one? I would I would suggest the city doesn't have the wherewithal or the personnel to do a deep 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 dive into every yeah. single person they're looking at. Yeah. And I think we understand that. Mm-hmm. Does this set a precedent? Does this open a bit of a Pandora's box? Because if you are talking about, we don't want people whose off duties, activities and associations don't reflect the culture, values and beliefs of the city. Jay, my question becomes, and it was the same before, what if you have friends who are Holocaust deniers and you've gone to their house? What if you've gone to a meeting for something? And you're seen there what, I mean, there's a million different ways that when you start to throw this line in that your associations Mm -hmm. and you mentioned about interviews and stuff beforehand, well, that, you know, if we're now going to try and purge out the people or, or wean them out, who may disagree with us, how do we do that? What kind of questions are we asking? Is it reasonable? I guess, do we have to accept that in a city where we've got something like 8,000 employees, there are going to be some people whose views we just Strenu- strenuously disagree with, or do we say no? No, we got to get rid of all the everyone who doesn't align with this culture, values, and beliefs of the city.
2: Well, I think I think you have to. Uh, I think, yeah, having everybody exactly agree with all of your cultural uh, values and all that stuff, I think that's a, a slippery slope to go down because it, I don't. I think it's it's too. You're just too making it too pure. Uh, and and you're you know, good luck hiring somebody. You know, if you're looking just at every little single thing that, you know, p- potentially doesn't align with you know what you want, uh, or what your city's value is. I think that's just that's over the top. I think if you, for the most part, if you can, if the person seems right for the job, and um, you know their their um, references check out, they seem right for the job. They uh, if you, if you maybe. Get a whiff of, hey, maybe they don't a hundred percent agree or fit with our cult- cultural values, but if you think that uh, you know, they can sort of keep that separate from work, you know what I mean? like if
0: but this story now to be clear, this story, as I understand this one, they found no evidence that he was doing any of this stuff at yeah, with well, work that's... equipment or at work or on work time. And so, my argument would be well, then, as long as it's not someone who it's like what they're doing is considered offensive, but who this is, this is always the problem when you start walking down this path. Who yeah. is determining what the values are, what the beliefs are? Yeah. Who's the arbiter to decide that what you are doing is not offensive or is offensive?
2: Yeah well it's a good question I don't know <laughs> I don't know. I don't think either of us know the answer to that but I, and 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 should there be somebody I mean I guess you just have to go about your business and are they right for the job do they do they check out that kind of thing and just hope that you know they don't have this kind of background and and you know like you said it's a it's a very slippery slope to go down and what sort of a Pandora's box does it open in terms of okay this guy, gets found out and now he's, you know, an investigation happens and he gets let go. Who who's next?
0: Well, let me use another uh, the example I already used. Let us say someone volunteers their time at a group that is against abortion. And someone from the city says, "That's offensive to me because that is against a woman's right to choose. You're a, you're anti-woman, therefore to me that's offensive that you would be involved mm-hmm. in that." Does that go against the city's culture, values and beliefs? But then you, then that person turns around and says, yeah, but you're volunteering with a group that is proposing that we abort all Down syndrome babies because we don't want... Is that against the city's yeah. values and yeah. and who's deciding? And I'm just using one example, but you can see you can, you can open up this massive mess. Oh, yeah. This is... If the story as I'm reading it, if all the information in, these, in this story is coming out, this is a reasonably, and it's still complicated, but relatively a reasonably simple one to do. The problem that we have now, Jay, and everybody knows this, who's listening, everybody is offended by everything now. Yeah. And I point at you and say, you offend me. And then you point at someone else and say, they offend me. How do you wade through all this stuff when it's not quite as crystal clear or easy to handle as this one?
2: Yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, it's people have freedom of speech. They have th- the freedom to believe what they b- want to believe. And you know and and like you said the problem is is that there are people who who get offended by you know perhaps somebody's belief and it may not even be uh directly related to them but they just But that's they, not what we stand for as not, a city. Yeah.
0: Well now the city does the city have to investigate everyone? And then again who determines uh, this one I don't want anyone to think that if the story behind this is true, if he did what he did, I don't want anyone to think that I'm standing here going, come on, the city shouldn't be allowed to have white supremacists or whatever. That's not what we're saying. Mm -hmm. Neither of us is saying that. What we're saying is this, I I hope that this has not created a precedent that less egregious ones now get thrown out there because somebody complains and then we apply this standard. They don't reflect the culture, values, and beliefs of the city. Then what?
1: You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML.
0: Jay, you have been married for how many years now?
2: It is, I guess, in December coming up. It will be 2012 to 2019. That's what seven years.
0: See, I, I think if Jen is listening, she would have wanted a quicker answer than that.
2: Probably, but uh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but you got, okay? But you got the dates right, so that's yeah. all that matters. Yeah. So what would you describe, you're married seven years, you are I mean I hate to ask because you could be right in the middle of the seven year itch, I'm assuming you're not, but what no. would be your advice, your secret to your successful marriage? Because I know you guys have a successful marriage. What is, yeah. what, what's the secret?
2: Secret to success. Um, I would say that uh, I think probably that you have to um, see my job, uh, being a realtor and doing weather. I, I'm home, uh, I would say w- I have a lot more involvement with the kids than maybe the average dad does. Uh, and so I think we share pretty evenly a lot of the, um, duties with, with our kids who are, uh, two and a half and five. Uh, so I think that that, uh, probably is a, um, is is a really good thing because
0: all right, so split the household duties. Yeah, split see, the I thought when you duties. said your are home all time, I thought you were going to say I make sure that I get out of the house so she has some quiet time. <laughs> <laughs> you your know, answer is way better.
2: Um, the other things too, we we uh, tr- generally try to do. Um, I do a uh, like a guys fishing weekend in the fall, um, and uh, Jen and uh, the girls they do their own girls non fishing weekend at a cottage. <laughs> um, so you know. Uh, you have to do you, you have to still have interests. I- interests, right um, I, yeah, I feel that's good. like I don't I don't know why I need to say this but I feel like there are couples out there where you know the the one spouse would would go away but then not want the other one to go away or or something really stupid like that or demand was, the other yeah. one come
0: and do what they are interested in and that they hate it or whatever else so yeah. yes I'll tell you why I asked okay Because there's a couple that is about to celebrate their 67th wedding anniversary. Mm -hmm. They are based out of Washington State. And their name is Frances and Rosemary Clontz. 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 I mean, the name doesn't roll off the tongue, but they clearly know what they're doing because they've been married for 67 years. 67 years now. Wow. Wow. And they say they are just as happy today as they were when they first got married. They, when they met in high school, um, when they were both 19, they got married. They've been together every day since. Like, it's a very happy story. It's a very lovely story. Francis and Rosemary Klontz. So their secret to a happy, fulfilled life of 67 years together Yeah. They have worn a matching outfit every single day of their marriage.
2: What? <laughs> Come on.
0: <laughs> every single day. She lays out the clothes and buys a pair of whatever. So there's the picture that is shown with this, um, not that one, is they are both wearing a shirt that has a letter embroidered on it. And it's okay. the same color, same pattern, same when I say matching outfits, I mean matching outfits like you would have with like kids who are twins where they decide yeah. you're going to like ruin the kids by making them the same person. Yeah, yeah. R- <laughs> Rosemary and Francis have worn the same matching outfit every day for 67 years.
2: That is just that's the weirdest thing I've <laughs> ever heard.
1: It's now, just
0: so bizarre. Uh, okay, so a couple things. First, I'm hoping that back in the day when Rosemary was still young and taut, firm, <laughs> and wearing, you know, I hope she wasn't wearing hot pants, that yeah. Frances also had to wear the hot pants. Well, yeah. The jorts. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: mean, there's a lot of, you know, nowadays, it's uh, there's a lot of... Uh, Tights and you know yoga pants. You, you imagine pants?
0: Francis having to wear the Lululemons? Yeah, because Rosemary has put on a pair of Lululemons, and Francis is crammed into these things. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure that this would be the advice that I would give to my kids as they, no. when they go off to get married, to say, you know, every day wear exactly what your wife wears. I mean, or what, what your husband what wears.
2: What bearing does that really have on, on anything? happiness related I I don't understand what well I mean it would be you maybe would get a chuckle it's togetherness but it's just
0: oh man you know what this sounds like to me see he's I think when they give this answer and I'm willing to bet you because it's a it's a written story I'm looking at here so I can't see who's actually doing the talking I'm betting it's her and I'm betting that's the real underlying secret to the happiness. Just do whatever she says. <laughs> <laughs> Rosemary wanted matching clothes? Yeah. All right, matching clothes it is. And that's the secret to 67 ha- happy years wife. of happiness. There you happy go. Life. There, there you is. go. Rosemary. Wa- I mean, what happens when Rosemary showed up with some outfits that Francis would say, I'm not wearing petunia patterned blouses?
2: Yeah. Like it,
0: <laughs> Or maybe he just said, You want petunias? Petunias it is, out Done. we go. Yep, They've,
2: they've got to be in the Guinness, there's got to be a Guinness Book of World Records uh, page in there just for these people. Well, like, who would think ever, of their
0: shopping expeditions. Do you have that in man? Do you have yeah. that in female? <laughs> Do you have that in a dress? Yeah. What about huh. bathing suits? Yeah, how
2: does, like, maybe they never swam. Maybe they swam nude.
0: That maybe was matching, they, that's matching they, birthday suits. Maybe
2: they skinny dipped.
0: Maybe, well, that would match. Yeah. That would match, I don't know. But I'm not sure that, I'm not sure that if I was now, I'm I'm married 26 years now, and I'm thinking, I mean, we're only a third roughly, a little more than a third of the way to Francis and Rosemary Clontz. If my wife had made me wear the same thing as her every day, I love her does wonderful things. But if she had told me I have to wear the same thing as her every day, I'm reasonably confident I would have the opposite story to Francis and Rosemary. Yep. We would have been separated a long time ago. <laughs> if, that was, if that was the one rule that she yep. had put down, I, I would have had a very hard time with that.
2: I w- yeah, I, I can and see And that, that would
0: be the only thing that could ever cause us to separate. But that would be it, I think. That would be the is one. The, yep. I'm sorry, honey, you have to wear the... <laughs> you have to wear the sleeveless, floral-patterned <laughs> undershirt thingy today.
1: Oh, man. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML.
0: Jay McQueen. This week, this right now, I I, I got two stories to tell you. Uh, right now is the 50th anniversary of Woodstock. As we speak, wow. 50 years ago, they were on the hills of Max Yasger's farm, all 400,000 of them. dropping acid and smoking dope and doing whatever else they were doing and listening to some music. Yeah. And you've probably seen that very, very, very familiar picture of the couple wrapped in the blanket in the morning, hugging, and that became the cover of the Woodstock album. It kind of became the iconic photo Mm -hmm. of Woodstock. Well, this week I learned that that couple is still together 50 years later. Oh, wow. Uh, Their name is Nick and Bobby Erkaline. And I did a little digging and I found a phone number for them no and way. I called them up and had a lovely chat with Bobby Urkeline, the wife. Yeah. And I asked her, this was on Tuesday, I guess I spoke to her and asked her if she could come on the show. That'd mm-hmm. be fun to talk about Woodstock and all yeah. the rest. She was a lovely lady, very polite, very friendly and apologized profusely because she says in the past two months... Take a guess how many requests for interviews. Now, these are just a couple that had a photo taken during a concert. Guess how many interview (laughs) requests they have had in the past two months.
2: Oh, 50?
0: 1,200. Oh, wow. And they've done something like 260 interviews. So me thinking how clever I was, clearly not. (laughs) She goes, had you called three months ago, we could have done it. I was like, who was thinking of Woodstock three months ago? Oh yeah. Anyway, clearly there is a huge amount of interest in this. Uh, a huge amount of interest in this. Anyway. Oh, and there was a radio station today that I stumbled upon. I saw this story and I went listening for a bit. It's an online radio station that was playing Woodstock as it happened. Oh, neat. All weekend, this weekend. You can go on and hear it as if with the announcements off yeah. the stage and everything else. Anyway, so I was alive for Woodstock. Mm-hmm. You weren't.
2: I was born in 1980, so no. No,
0: you weren't. But here's the question about Woodstock, because so much has been made about this leading up to it and Mm. this weekend and everything else. As someone who wasn't there, I was not there. Do you look at Woodstock as something that you understand that it is a seminal moment in a generation? Or do you look at Woodstock from what you know of it and you go, come on, you're just making way too much of a concert?
2: No, I I look at it as... It's. Uh, it was a big deal. It was uh, one of those sort of uh, moments in time that um, you'll never, you know, people will tr- probably try to recreate. They uh, have tried. And um, like I remember in uh, the 90s, I think they did, uh, th- I don't know what they called it, but there was a, maybe it was the 25th anniversary. In
0: Saugerties, New York.
2: yeah. Uh, Green Day would have been there yep, and that kind yep, of stuff, right? Yep. My buddy had the album, um, so you know I think that that anniversary to me brought the 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 original Woodstock sort of painted the picture and the video the the imagery of it all um, did a good job of it. Yeah, I I, I certainly um, I don't I don't know if I want to go as far as to say I respect it or, or whatever. I mean, but it's one of those. I think it's there's those those things that happen that just. Um, you know, no one's ever quite prepared for exactly, you know, how uh, how big of a moment it actually is going to be. And then, uh, you know, and, and... See,
0: that's that's your point right there is they have tried to re- recreate this. They mm-hmm. did the Saugerties one. They've done other ones. That intent. They tried to do one for the 50th this year and it failed. The whole point of moments like this, the whole point of moments that we remember in history... Is that you didn't know they were going to happen? Yeah, that, that's my belief about it. That if yeah. you plan for a moment, it never can achieve what the moments that you didn't know were going to happen are like. Yeah. If you if everybody knew JFK was going to be assassinated on November twenty two, nineteen sixty three, you would have had millions of people down lining the street in Dallas, and it wouldn't have been a surprise. It wouldn't have been a, moments in history that we remember always. To me, have to be a surprise.
2: Yeah. yeah. Always. Yep. Yeah. I mean, you look at. The biggest, obviously this is different, but sports moments, right? Those are not planned. Those things just happen. It's, you know.
0: Well, Paul Henderson. Yeah. Right? Again, before you were born, but for a lot of people listening, they think of Paul Henderson. No one announced before the game Paul Henderson was going to score with 34 seconds left in game eight. Nobody. Otherwise you wouldn't think of it as a big moment.
2: Yeah. Joe Carter in 1993. Perfect example. Right? I was watching that in the living room. I was 13 years old. And and yeah, and then, you know, and then Bautista hits the home run against Texas and, in, uh, what, 2015, I guess it was, um, you know, and blew the roof off the place. So, you know, these things are spur-of-the-moment things, and you, you can't, uh, that's what's so sp- so special about them, right?
0: I do look at Woodstock though when you see the people reflecting on it and talking about it lovingly and all the rest, and it was three, it was described as what three days of peace and love and music, I think was the uh, was the catchphrase that was. And on that front, um, you know, people who were there still talk about the fact that there were no fights, there were no arrests, there was nobody who was hurt, there was all this stuff. So it achieved what it was trying to but in night in 2019 if you said what we're going to have is a giant concert where almost everybody is going to be stoned we're going to be dropping acid and whatever do you think that the same people who are there who were there then if you brought them to 2019 and said your kids are going to that you think they're going to go, oh, sounds terrific. Send them. Yeah, that yeah. sounds great. Or do you think they would go, uh, you know, doesn't sound quite so good in retrospect?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that uh, there would be a lot of that saying, yeah, maybe it's not that great of an idea. And it, even to me, like the big crowds like that, just for example, the the Raptors victory parade, you know, I mean, this, the lack of... Just you know, just so Chaos. many people, right? The lack of you know people complaining there was no water and there wasn't weren't enough bathrooms and you know what did you expect? But you know, so
0: but that falls into the same category because nobody thought there would be that many people. That's yeah. what made it special and yeah. memorable. Yeah. That and I'm I'm telling you, ten, fifteen, twenty years from now, anyone who was at that Raptors parade is going to be talking about it. Maybe not exactly the same as Woodstock, mm-hmm. but in the same tones. Yeah.
2: And I yeah, I, I think that uh, you know to me as as I get older, I, these kinds of events with you know people shoulder to shoulder to shoulder appeal to me less and less, I mean, because I just <laughs> rather no. you know and because you can with 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 the media and social media, you can sit at home and, and watch it or watch it wherever you are, right and and I, you know, you don't have to you know be right there and, ex- and experience it.
0: I, g- I go back to the surprise element. I, I was at the SARS concert in oh, yeah. 2003, yeah. I think it was now, something like that, in Toronto at uh, Downsview. And there were as many people at that concert as there was at Woodstock. But you knew ahead of time, based yeah. on ticket sales and stuff, that there were going to be that. You knew you were going to have this massive crowd. And you knew what it was all going to be about. And it was just for a day, and it wasn't... But nobody talks about that concert in the same breath in the same manner as they do about Woodstock because no. of the surprise element of it and I you know look I I I can be very cynical I know I can be cynical and I can look at Woodstock and go look it was just a bunch of kids getting stoned and yeah. you know it, I don't know I, I I'm not sure I want to just reduce it to that because clearly there's something more to it even for someone who wasn't there clearly there yeah. had to be something more to it
2: I feel like to a certain extent a lot of these uh, music festivals that are um, you know maybe not in a in a stadium in a in a big city right like that now Burles Creek is the place to go uh, It used to be Molson Park and Burles Creek and and um, you know and I think there's other other ones in the states and um, so I think you know that has sort of spawned you know, a new generation of not trying to emulate that, but just, you know, hey. Well, I think
0: that's, emu- I, think emu- I think, I think everybody wants that, yeah. to recreate Woodstock. Nobody can. Right. Nobody can.
2: And I don't think, yeah, to me, I don't, I wouldn't want necessarily to recreate, you know, whether it's with the lineup or just the lack of facilities or, but, just being outside, being that kind of a venue, I think that's what they, you know, they,
0: they're aiming for, right? It is. It is funny because there is a new documentary on Netflix about Woodstock, and I think it was made by PBS or it was first on PBS. It's now on Netflix. Anyone who's got Netflix can go watch it. It's about an hour and twenty minutes or something. It's very interesting. And again, what sort of gets lost in the warm sepia toned happy memories of Woodstock is they didn't have enough bathrooms. They didn't have any food. They had no water. They had <laughs> now we all remember the everyone remembers the mud, the stories of the mud. Yeah. Uh people were almost getting electrocuted. The the the, the one of the stories was that during the rainstorm some fifty thousand volt line became exposed and it oh, could have man. gone off and we could have had like hundreds of thousands of people electrocuted on this oh. field. Like there's so many things about it that we're really probably as pleasant and pleasurable as, you know, nowhere to, nowhere to bathe, nowhere to get clean. Um, For me, one of the things that I learned from that, that uh, documentary that I didn't realize, I mean, this is in the middle of the Vietnam War and everybody there pretty much was against the Vietnam War. And suddenly you see U.S. military helicopters hovering above and descending and they're all, they're all saying, we're under attack they're coming to shut us down they were bringing food <laughs> because everybody there had nothing to eat it was yeah. the military hate to say it it was the military that they hated so much mm-hmm. that was providing them with food yeah <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's such an interesting story because these things like so many other things the legend grows very rapidly over yeah. time yeah. and and i think woodstock has achieved that now where it is so legendary that anybody who would dare to say anything sort of dismissive or negative or whatever you get shot down very quickly. Yeah. Very quickly.
2: Yeah. And I and and my for me on my end I anytime I hear them trying to recreate it, I always think just leave leave it alone. It happened. Leave it, you know. Let it breathe. Yeah.
0: It was what it was. Do something else. See? I but you know why they do it?
2: Well, money.
0: Thank you. Yep. The, you, the, Woodstock was, they will tell you at the time, was a, they took a bath, not just from the rain. They, t- I mean, it cost them a fortune, their sponsors and the people involved in everything. But there's always this belief that we can recreate it Yeah. and make a ton of money on this thing. I don't know who, how. Unless you could... Well, here's the problem. I was going to say, unless you could absolutely recreate it, even if you did recreate it, exactly. I don't think people would be thrilled with you. You imagine again in 2019, plop 1969 Woodstock into 2019. You've bought tickets for an outdoor music festival. It's going to go for three days. You have no sleeping arrangements. Mm -hmm. People are going to freak out. You have no sanitation. You have not enough water for people to drink. You don't have any food. You've not made plans for that. You can't. You have no transportation in and out. People are walking for miles. You're on a hill that's covered in mud with exposed electricity, and there's bad drugs circulating everywhere. <laughs> Tell me in 2019 that that is not being described as the greatest disaster in the history of music.
2: Oh, yeah, not appealing at all. Doesn't sound in the least bit appealing.
0: And if you read the spec.com today... When you talked about, this is unrelated and yet sort of related, when you talk about how shoulder to shoulder, belly to belly, with all these thousands of people, Mm -hmm. great concerns in Tokyo right now, because the Olympics are in Tokyo next year, and here this this just told me that i have no interest in going to tokyo for the olympics mm-hmm. the tokyo transit system the subway is already on a daily basis operating at 200% capacity oh good they have people whose jobs it is i'm not making this up jay they have people whose jobs it is to stand outside the trains and push people in to make sure oh, the doors man. can close wow and they're saying now they're going to be <laughs> taking it up to 250 to 300% capacity oh. during the olympics that just Holy sounds about cow. as much fun as I don't know the what root canal, pretty much, yeah, having a prostate exam with a belt sander uh yeah, that's uh, yeah. it just it like I can't think of too many things <laughs> that would be less fun than being crammed like cattle into a subway car, and then you're the guy in the middle, and it's your stop, oh, and man, you, can't, you
2: can't get off, oh. uh no, thank you yeah the the spec won't be sending you over there, I guess, eh
0: well, they might. I'll take a cab. I'll see if they have an Uber. <laughs> I won't take the subway.
1: You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML.
0: The United Kingdom has a new advertising standards authority. That's what they call it. Advertising standards authority. And what this group, best I can tell, their entire reason for existing is to watch commercials with the most un- humorous eye, and if anything could possibly offend anyone in any commercial that's going to go on the air, it gets not allowed to be shown. So the reason I bring this up, there are two commercials, one from Philadelphia Cream Cheese and one from Volkswagen. So, you know, not small companies, big multinational companies. The Philadelphia Cream Cheese ad Shows two fathers, one who puts a child down, I guess, on a conveyor belt in an airport, and you know gets distracted, and the, and another one involves a woman for Volkswagen uh, that they describe as this shows the woman being delicate or dainty because she's not as handy, I guess, around the car. Anyway, both these commercials have been banned from showing Mm -hmm. in England, in United Kingdom. Do we, do we want this? Do we need this kind of thing to have some company that tells us, you know, anything that possibly could be somehow maybe potentially offensive to somebody? Nope. Got to stop it.
2: They're taking the fun, and not. I don't. I don't know. Now I'm sounding like it's. You know, if somebody is slighted or you're. You know, could be offended or is made fun of, then you're. You know, that's that's the only reason you can have fun. It's not. Um, But but no, come on. Like you know, have common sense when you're when you're putting the the commercial together and, and, but no, I don't think we, if somebody, and then if somebody complains, there's proper channels that that goes through and, and, um, you know, maybe look at it then, but do we really need to be previewing everything and looking for every little thing just to, to, to see that if, you know, something could offend somebody like.
0: Don't we already have a system for this? It's called capitalism. (laughs) If Volkswagen makes a commercial or Philadelphia cream cheese makes a commercial that is offensive to a lot of people. People will respond with their wallets and punish them for making those commercials and for doing something that offends them, and they'll pay the price for that.
2: Good point, yep. Exactly right. And and
0: we've seen things before when people have taken action. Many times people have taken action against companies for things that they find offensive or whatever else. Yep. I just... I look at this and I think you know I haven't seen the ads I've only seen the explanation I can't find the ads anywhere there's well the, the Philadelphia cream cheese one was on here the other one I, I haven't been able to see the Volkswagen one but it is the the one with Volkswagen the complaint alleged the ad perpet, perpetuated harmful gender stereotypes but stereotypes by showing men engaged in adventurous activities in contrast to a woman in a caregiving role so again, as I, I read this thing, it was not a belittling thing where it was mm-hmm. like, you know, mom can't drive, lady can't drive kind of thing. Although, I mean, honestly, if, if we had a joke about a woman driver, is it any different from jokes we have about, again, guys doing things stupidly, the guys can't cook or whatever else? Yeah. I mean, like it's, it's based on a stereotype. It's, yeah, but it doesn't sound like it was truly offensive and yet we have reached a point apparently where not only are you not allowed to be offended by anything, but we now have to anticipate that you may be offended. Yep. (laughs) Because you could be offended by this and therefore you're not allowed to, and it's not even that, well, we'd like you to, you're not allowed in the United Kingdom to show this commercial. It is now a banned commercial. Uh, Which you know what that's going to do. Make everybody want to go and find it online Uh,
2: Yeah, exactly. So, you know, when you're looking for it, look at the one that has all the, you know, 10 million hits and that'll be the one.
0: So does this not, and this is the irony of this whole thing, does this not tell every single company what you should do? Make a commercial that is going to get banned <laughs> yeah. so that it gets in the news so that everybody... You can save your money. You don't even have to buy the time on yep. television. Throw it up on YouTube and everyone will go and look to see your commercial. This is the irony of people who want to ban stuff is yeah. that it never works. Mm-hmm. Never works.
2: Yeah. Exactly right. Anyway, cool. oh, uh,
0: you can find both these ads online, by the way, if you go and look. Yeah. Um, Just type in Philadelphia cream cheese banned ad and Volkswagen banned ad, and I'm sure that uh, the United Kingdom's what what did we call this thing? The uh, watch the ad watchdog, the Advertising Standards Authority. I'm sure this will thrill them to know that their banning leads to many, 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 many many more views than ever would have seen this otherwise.
2: Yep, Volkswagen and Philly cream cheese will be thanking them. If I Thank was an
0: advertiser, honestly, if I was an advertiser in the UK right now, I would go out of my way to come up with something <laughs> that would get banned because it's yeah. a way better marketing yeah. vehicle. Exactly. It really is.
2: Yep. Holy cow.
0: Jay, thanks for being here today. Yeah, really for appreciate me it. Love uh, loved being part of the live weather. We got to do yeah. that all the time. Have you in a little box over there, just <laughs> doing live weather hits. Yep. Uh, Jay McQueen, you can hear him on CHML here all the time.